Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. What wonderful words. Acknowledgement of our brokenness and our sin. God willing, I will one day enter the kingdom of God. I hope I'm not in any hurry. I'd like to do a little more sinning before then. <laughs> and God willing, one of the people I'll meet there is Grandpa Jack. Both of my grandfathers died before I was 11 years old, but Grandpa Jack was a part of my life for nearly 20 years. He was a self-made man, raising himself literally up by his own bootstraps, a farmer uh, in central Illinois, in, in uh, Benton, Illinois. And he worked hard most of his life, but he worked so hard that he could retire in his mid-50s and enjoy some 20 years or more of retirement before his death. When Grandpa Jack found out that I was going to go to seminary, he uh, told me that he was a non-believer. However, he read his Bible quite often and quite literally. And he told me one of the reasons that he was a non-believer because he couldn't worship a God that visited upon people sickness and death and who would allow God's people to go in and destroy whole nations and pillage and take everything and kill everybody. And I reminded him when I was in seminary that much like our press during the Vietnam War, the Deuteronomic editors and others who recorded these historical events probably fudged the numbers a little bit and made it sound better than it was for the Hebrew people. I believe that as he read the Bible during my time in seminary, he would make notes to himself about how he was going to get me the next time I visited him. And if he had heard today's lesson from Numbers, he would have said, wait a minute, didn't God say that you will not do any, make any graven images or worship it, or that God was the only God? What's this about a bronze ser uh, serpent on a pole? And if I had been on my feet and thinking clearly at the time, I would have said, well, Grandpa Jack, Deuteronomy follows numbers, and historically that's before the Ten Commandments, so maybe it was okay to make a bronze serpent, stick it up on a pole. There's a distinction, though, here between looking at something in faith and worshiping it. Now, we've heard the story of the people wandering in the wilderness, and we've heard that they got irritated with their 40 years, and we heard that they started criticizing Moses and being angry with God. And so they, they say, this is miserable. Why did you take us out of Egypt just to have us perish here? Why did you give us this disgusting food? We're tired of this. And in my mind's eye, I see the Hebrew people and their wanderings going into a new region somewhere in the Sinai where a serpent they've never encountered before lives, and they don't know how to avoid being bitten by it. So they start getting bitten. And they realize that they have cursed God and Moses, and so they repent. So they repent. And God, who is faithful when we repent... Give them, gives them a way to be healed, to be made whole again. And it's not that they worship the, the serpent on the pole, but it is they were faithful 
to God's command that when they were bitten, that they respond in faith and look upon the serpent. And they followed God's commandment, and they were healed. Now, think about this for a minute. The Hebrew people have been pretty quick to forget the gift that God's given them. He's brought God has brought them out of bondage in Egypt, out of the oppression, out of the mistreatment laid upon them. And now they're complaining about heavenly food and freedom. And they repent of that. Well, we too can, can forget the many gifts that God has given to us. We too can wander and leave God, the God who loves us. We too can forget that we have received the greatest gift of all, God's love for us shown in Jesus. For God so loved the world, loves us right now in our brokenness and our sinfulness to give us the gift of Christ in our lives. We can all come within the reach of Christ's saving embrace. Now, one of the problems or joys, I don't know which is sitting where John is sitting today, is that you have to look at that window. Not everybody can see it from where you sit maybe at this time, but it's an icon for me and a reminder as I gaze upon it of what we're about to experience three weeks, a little less than three weeks from today on Good Friday. I look upon that window in faith as I do the resurrection and the ascension windows and all of these, but as you sit in the creed chair, what we call the creed chair, in case you've never heard that, because whoever sits there starts the creed. Um, sitting there, I'm constantly reminded of the gift that God has given to me, to us, and of the fact that a little less than three weeks from now, we will again gather together at the foot of the cross. There's a three-hour service here, noon to three. You can come for only 30 minutes. We do it in 30-minute blocks, so you can come in the lunch hour. And we will, in our mind's eye, again see the broken and battered body of Christ on the cross and stand and watch as he dies, as he dies for you and for me, accomplishing that which we cannot accomplish on our own, the forgiveness of our sins. Knowing in faith as we gaze upon the cross, and that wonderful cross that stands in here in the chancel the whole of Holy Week, we will be reminded of that icon, just the same way that the Hebrew people looked at that bronze serpent. And faith will be reminded of what it is that God has given us. Knowing in faith that his death is not the end of the story. Knowing in faith that his death atones for our brokenness and our sin. And then in faith, we will again on Easter morning gather together and know that we have been saved. We have been saved by grace through faith and that we will not perish, perish, but we will have eternal life. So I look forward to the day where Grandpa Jack and I trade stories about the faith, and I look forward to the day that we can all sing out, here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it, for thy courts above. Amen.